you have more opportunities than you realize it's all about how you tell your story. So I've moved from different industries. I've sold software, I've sold digital advertising, I've sold software again, I've sold digital advertising to software companies. The way that I tell my story is important. And sometimes we spend a lot of time making sure the resume looks a certain way, but it's also how you communicate, how all of your career stops are connected. What's good? What's good, party people? Welcome to Candid Conversations. I am your host, Candia Johnson, a woman on a mission to help you show up and speak up anyway, despite dealing with fear, uncertainty, or self-doubt. Today's guest is Chantel George, and she delivers a masterclass in the mindsets, methods, and messages you need to confidently sell yourself. Whether you are a woman looking to get ahead in the workplace or in your career, or maybe you are looking to land major sponsors and close seven-figure deals to grow your business or initiative, our candid conversation today is for you. As the founder of Sisters in Sales, Chantel grew the organization from a focus group of 10 women into a community of 5,000 women across the United States, representing a broad range of diverse women in media, software, finance, IT, education, and tech sales. Sister, Sisters in Sales seeks to share knowledge and resources to build community, sisterhood, and empowerment through mastering the sales craft. It's the first organization to also serve women of color and professional sales careers. You might be asking, why do women of color need a separate space? Today, we're going to talk about it. The organization also works to empower women of color through distinct networking, training, and career opportunities through their relationships with longstanding corporate partners such as Amazon, Google, Salesforce, and Workday. On top of everything else, Chantel is going to share the deets about how she raised $1 million in six months. We also talk about how landing a major deal took two years. We talk about the unspoken rules of selling yourself and advancing in your career, particularly in corporate America. We also talk about the mindset shifts that she's had to embrace when it comes to rejection or being told no. And lastly, we talk a bit about how she transitioned from a one woman show to a support team of over 100 people. So listen, y'all listen and let me know what you think. Hello, Chantel. Hi. I, I am well. I am feeling complete today, partly because I get to do what I love, which is introduce my audience to trailblazing women such as yourself. I'm super excited for you to shed light on your organization and just your tips and experiences with selling yourself. But first, take us back for a second. What did you want to be when you were a child? What were your career aspirations when you were a child? That's a great question. I had a lot of different career aspirations. I can tell you what I didn't want to do because that was actually clearer to me than what I did. I knew I didn't want to be a nurse. My mom was a nurse. She had all these nurse things around, you know, gauzes and band-aids and posters of the anatomy and medical books. And I just didn't have it in me. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure much to my parents' annoyance, 
I couldn't stop saying how much I didn't want to do it. So I'm from a Caribbean community, a Caribbean family. And those are some of like the core jobs that Black women do. So I knew I wanted to dress up in a suit. I knew I wanted to do something that required me talking to a large group of people. And I knew I wanted to do something with oral communication. Those are some of like the key things. Throughout my exploratory period in my childhood, I gravitated between a few really different ideas of an occupation, an actor, a lawyer, something to do with business. And I did find that there was a common thread between all of those three. They all use communication skills. They're all persuasive jobs, jobs that require you to be able to articulate yourself and clearly explain what it is that you're trying to accomplish. I didn't realize that my communication skills or my ability to help people lean in when I spoke would become what my organization has become or would have led me to the jobs that I ended up having later on in my life. But I just knew that those are some of the three areas I was interested in. Hmm. So what are the parts of your journey that led you to the role that you have right now? Well, I tried all three of those things. Actually, I did go to a conservatory for acting. I was pre-law in college and I did start several businesses between high school and college, but the leading role was becoming a lawyer. And so what I did was I, at the time, Craigslist was like a really popular thing to do and find jobs and find all, and it still is, to find jobs and find opportunities. So I went on Craigslist and I said, I'm going to do this job. It's in sales and I'm going to do it so that I can create a strategy for law school. If I go do this job for a year or two, I'll get some money together. And maybe after that, I'll transition into law school or at least focus my energy there. I just never left. I got into sales and I never left. It satisfied me in a way that I didn't think it would. And it became a tough sell for me to leave a space that I had found comfort in to go into an unknown. And I wasn't even sure if law at that time would even give me the same satisfaction. So I stayed in sales and I've been in sales for over 10 years. First of all, what I love about what you just said is that you had the courage to just try it all. So often we feel like we have to pick one, right? And I love that you chose careers at the opposite end of the spectrum. So you have acting and sales. And so often, I think that's a powerful lesson because for myself, and even I know for so many women, we try to peg ourselves or convince ourselves that we should only like one thing. So I love that you you tried them all, actually, until settling into one. So now, as the founder of Sisters and Sales, and listen, party people, you have to follow them because the gems that are shared and just the sisterhood that's displayed. I know someone personally who's part of the organization. They're always screaming the praises of your organization. But I would like to know, What are the parts of your journey that you felt Black women needed a separate space to support, educate, uplift all the things? You know, I found that outside of being one of the most senior Black women and the only in certain spaces in my life, like in my career specifically, that wasn't only the reason, like a lot of organizations are founded because of being a minority and like that is a reason but the largest reason and where I got my confidence from 
was the fact that Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. And so the disconnect between our savviness in business versus our success in corporate America was something that I wanted to explore. Why weren't we more successful in corporate America if we're so successful in business overall? So in that exploration, I discovered that the missing link was corporate politics and the network itself, like who you knew. You could be really great at selling whatever, like a mug and or have really great skincare line or really great candles. But for some reason, you may not feel confident if someone said, well, could you sell software? Why not? You know, you could, totally could. I just think that there was a confidence issue there in our community. And there were a lack of mentors who could teach you some of the unspoken rules in corporate America so that you could get past that interview hurdle or even get past that first year of employment. And so I wanted to gather a group of seasoned Black women to give back to the community so that they could inspire some of these women that were already savvy. I'm not necessarily saying that this is going to transform someone who doesn't want to be in sales to be in sales. This is a community of women who have already determined that they know and they want to be in this industry. They just need additional guidance of how to break into certain companies or to learn certain industries. Oh, a couple of things I want to touch on. One, when it comes to sales, what I've learned is I believe everyone should have to take a course in sales, probably many courses, because even if you're not selling a product as an entrepreneur, you're selling yourself. And I feel even with myself, even in people that I have coached and trained, there are certain mindset shifts that one needs to get over to be able to confidently present themselves. But I'm also curious about, you mentioned the unspoken rules. What are some of the unspoken rules that you believe we need to be more mindful of? There are a few. One would be, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. So the more connections you make in any industry and the more you're able to name drop more people, the more people feel like they can trust you versus if you have three degrees in a particular area. So that's one. The second thing is finding an ally in your organization is almost more important than closing your first deal because that person is going to be able to provide you with emotional safety, mental security, mental health security, or will give you an opportunity to run things by them before you act. And that's really important. So I'd say an ally or a supporter, I'll be on the hunt for that ASAP. And then the third thing would be, you have more opportunities than you realize it's all about how you tell your story. So I've moved from different industries. I've sold software, I've sold digital advertising, I've sold software again, I've sold digital advertising, I've sold digital advertising to software companies. I've done all these different shifts. And the way that I tell my story is important. And sometimes we spend a lot of time making sure the resume looks a certain way, but it's also how you communicate, how all of your career stops are connected. So just to recap, it's who you know, have you spent enough time meeting enough people in your industry, hence CIS and the other organizations out there? 
find an ally immediately in your new, if you're moving to a new organization who can, you can bounce ideas off of, especially if you're in sticky situations with management or if you're still trying to figure out how to show up. And then I would say the third thing is tell your story really well. And what would you say when we say tell your story, what are the critical elements you feel are the things that you should nail? <laughs> Especially within the first few seconds, because you know we got a short attention span. <laughs> yeah. Your influencer, what impact you want to make and what you need to make that impact moving forward. So I was influenced by my community growing up as a first-generation American seeing how important it is for communities to lean on each other to create growth and to ascend. I care about making impact for the world. I, I feel that I have a calling to do so. And I'm looking for a socially conscious organization to support me in my drive. One of the things that I love about what you just said is, uh, I think Simon Sinek said it, people don't buy what you do, they, they buy why you do it. And I love that you focused on that influence from your community and also looking ahead to what you're trying to do. And so especially for a Black woman, kudos to you, because when it comes to raising money, we receive the least amount of support from funders or investors. And so to raise $1 million in six months, what would you say are the two drivers that help you to achieve that goal? I would say at the end of the day, you should be able to sum up what you're trying to sell in one or two sentences. And everything else outside of your core value proposition, you can consider to be just window dressing. So the conference is actually, we, we're calling it an essence-inspired conference for women of color in sales because there are activations from Walmart there's headshot studios inside. There is a custom barista making lavender cappuccinos. Like all these things are inside of it. But I'm not leading with that. When you find out about it, I'm sure it excites you even more. But I am leading with, this is the largest gathering of Black women in professional sales. You should be a part of this movement. That's really what I'm leading with. And I think it's what we're doing and a strong call to action. There, If I just said the first sentence, this is the largest community of Black women in professional sales, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't get where we need to go. I have to get out of my, not even comfort zone, but really just close it, get out of my head and just close it. I'll never forget when I had my first sales job, there was, you have an ask, right? I was afraid of the ask. It would say, you'd go through the whole pitch, like, okay, this is what I'm selling you. This is what it does for you. And then the last paragraph you're supposed to say, let's get started. And which is the close, right? And I would be so afraid to say that. And like my manager would write it on the post-it note, let's get started. And like put that post-it note on the computer, like read that. And I got into the practice of saying, let's get started or let's move forward, or you need to be here, or this is why you need to be in this room. Just adding those last few words is, is the friction required to start a deal. If you're just explaining something and then going, well, thanks for coming. There's no friction. Nothing has been accomplished other than you explaining something. 
And so the biggest thing that I do to get to where I am now in terms of raising, I'm asking for the clothes every time, all the time. You know, we're really thrilled that Amazon is coming on board. I have had the opportunity to talk to Amazon for over two years and I've asked for the clothes every time, all the time. And finally, two days ago, we're going to be having Amazon as a champion sponsor. That's just the nature of the job. You have to keep asking for the clothes. Total boss moves there. So I, there are a couple of things I need to focus on. One, this Amazon partnership, as well as the other heavy hitters that you are connected with. So I know you've had Google. There are a few others. What do you believe draws them to your organization? So I think that they believe that I'm handling this community with care. I think they believe that I am giving this community everything that I have, my advice, my essence, my bandwidth, my emotional capacity, my mental capacity. I think they believe that I'm giving this community the safety it requires. I also heard that you mentioned you've been in conversation with them for two years. Most people would give up within the first couple of months, I don't know, probably a couple of weeks, because I think part of the fear is with sales comes rejection. I think social media makes it seem like these partnerships or deals are something that happen overnight. So I'm happy that you share that two years later, this comes to be. What's the mindset shift that you have around rejection? I think rejection is a part of life. And I know it sounds cliche and I'm not trying to make it, but honestly, I got rejected this morning when I wanted a bacon, egg and cheese and I with ketchup and I only got bacon, egg and cheese, no ketchup. They were like, no, so they don't have it. They don't have it. They don't have it. As someone who wears both hats, someone who works in corporate and also someone who runs a company, I'd rather bet on myself and consistently put myself out there because if if it's a no, at least I can get feedback on how I can be better. And I can take that and I can improve. If we ultimately take our egos out of this for a second, we want to improve whatever product that we're creating or, or formulating. If someone is saying no, that means that there could be some improvement from my perspective. And I can have another dialogue about what that is. And then I can work on that and then ask again and see if it's a yes then. If it's still a no, well, that means there's something else I can continue to improve. And there's always something that I can do better. And I feel like I, I want that feedback, especially if you're approaching a billion dollar organization. I think it's safe to say that they may have a perspective on how businesses should look or how a vendor should approach them. I think that's fine. Advice comes from all kinds of places. And I need advice and perspective from people that I'm pitching because they're the customer. They need to tell me what we can do to improve so that we can gain more customers. In the two years that I have been looking to close on Amazon, I've been able to open up discussions as to why, you know, maybe at some point, maybe the different dialogue is you've missed our planning cycles. Okay, well, now I need to figure out when that is next time. Some of the discussion could be, we're looking for this particular audience. Well, if you're looking for more women at, let's say, a director level, I can hire community ambassadors to go look for them and bring them into our community, which we did. We have 10 interns whose their job is to look for the right folks and bring them in. Like, I, I, I think having it's such a gift to get feedback from someone in the know so that you can turn it into a yes. 
And it's the next level set of questions that allow you to get what it is that's holding them back. Not just so that you can objection handle on the spot, but so you could figure it out and improve and do better next time. Mm, That's so powerful. One of the things I often say is feedback is fuel for your level up. Quite a few years ago, I attended a pitch competition and I remember a woman came up with a meter to track a, a reading. It was something to do with health. And she won the competition, but she also explained that it was her 15th pitch competition and that she doesn't register for these pitch competitions to get the funds. She registers to get the insight and the feedback on how to improve her offering and maybe an audience that she's missing. And that's been so powerful for her. And so she credited that feedback that she's received from those competitions as a way to improve how she shows up and how she pitches herself. So I'm happy to hear you stress also the mindset shifts that you make around getting the insights and also just being more committed. Sounds like too, that you're more committed to the process of uh, discovery and how you could meet their needs, even more so than the outcome. Although I know you want the outcome, but you're open to the insights that you've received from these different companies. Absolutely. And also it's a balancing act. I've got a long tail improvement process using the director example. But at the same time, I'm satisfactory for some of the other brands and they're moving forward and their needs might be exactly what we have, match made in heaven. And that's good too, because sometimes when you get no's, sometimes you start to shut down and you don't realize you're the perfect fit for another company or you're the perfect fit for another person. They just haven't heard from you yet. So if I just took that one no and just never did anything again, we would never be where we are now and we wouldn't be able to do what we have done. And in some calls that for people who have said no over the course of the year, they've said, okay, we said no, but you guys just keep growing. What's going on? So that's another way to consistently just build either way while taking their feedback and using that in strides. Right. I heard you say you have 10 interns. I think another challenge that I see for women is thinking you can do it all yourself. So were you a one woman show initially, or did you always have a support team, whether it was an assistant or what have you supporting you? I was a one woman show. Then I started to hire some key players. Then we started to hire some agencies. So we got three Then we started to hire some interns. And in totality, I'd say the amount of people touching the business is probably around 100. Wow. So who were your key players in the beginning? In the beginning, we had a learning officer who was teaching some of the women different sales skills. We had someone who was responsible for marketing and we had someone responsible for administration and finance. Now we have sales team, a marketing lead, plus two marketing agencies, an event production team, the interns, an executive assistant, finance and admin support. Wow. What would you say are two to three things that you do, you do daily or even weekly that allow you to show up for your business, for the community that, that you serve? What are two to three things that you believe contribute to your success? 
a work in progress. It changes seasonally. I mean, right now, my focus is staying calm as our work continues to ramp up so that I can be a voice of reason and so that I can be, I can, yeah, again, just be a place of safety for my team who are really pulling everything out of themselves to land our plans. I will always have a gauge on the health of the business. There are times where I step in and just do some stuff for my team because I can tell that they have a lot on their plate. I may not even make it a big deal. I might just do it secretly and just say, I took care of that for you because I know that there's a lot being balanced. You know, we mentioned the interns, hiring the interns, getting them ramped. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of training. That's a lot of new personalities joining the team and a lot of culture changes potentially that we have to look out for. So that's a lot for, for, for some of our team members to handle. And so that's why it's important to give grace and to be plugged in always. So let's switch gears a bit. The theme this year for your conference is you have arrived. Talk to us about what that theme means and how is it playing out in the events and things happening during the conference? Yeah, sometimes, especially if you work in an industry where you feel isolated or you don't know much about it, you don't really have a, a point in your career where like, oh, I've actually, I've made it whether it's the beginning or the middle or the end. And I just want people to feel like they have that sense of accomplishment, that they have made it, they have, they've made it here with us. There has been a milestone accomplished. You can just have your head down and be grinding all the time and never know if you have crossed, there's no other graduation in your career post-college or post-high school. There's nothing that gives you that commemoration like you have arrived at this point. You have to create that for yourself. Sometimes that looks like a vacation. Sometimes that looks like another material thing. But I'm here to tell you that you have made it and you have arrived and you've made it to a place of some type of completion. And you should be happy and proud of yourself for making it this far. That is so very necessary. You know, oftentimes we're always trying to aim for some sort of target. It's always about what's the next best thing, even if the best thing that you have right now is something that you've strived to achieve over the last five years. It's like you get that thing and then you're on to the next. But yeah, this is what's next. I love, love, love that theme. What's the line? What can people expect in terms of the events or trainings and things that are happening during your conference? Yes. So we are having some of the most accomplished and seasoned saleswomen talk about their jobs and how they got to where they've gotten. Any any person from like a 20 to 30 year level of experience to like a five year level of experience taking us through that entire journey. We'll be learning research about Black women and some of the struggles that we have. There'll be research presented. We will have special guests come and talk about their journey we will have the ability to meet with some of the largest brands in the world and all be in one space. So like you mentioned, Google, Walmart, Spotify, Amazon, and Raise, like a few really, really cool tech brands, Palo Alto Networks for, like, for cybersecurity, really cool tech brands and progressive companies, socially conscious companies 
that are not just showing up to say we're here, but showing up with open headcount on their team, showing up with the right people to make decisions and maybe even on the spot decisions. So those are the things that people can look forward to truly hearing wisdom from women that look like them in the industry that they are in. And plus having the opportunity to create serious connections with these brands that are looking for talent right now. I like that. So if there was one piece of advice that you would give a woman when it comes to selling herself, what would it be? Practice. Mm. I mean, honestly, I sell myself. I have been selling every day for over a decade. When I don't practice, it's terrible. You have to practice. It doesn't matter how many times you've been able to wing it. It doesn't matter how many times you've been able to turn it on in an an impromptu setting. You have to practice, 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 practice your pitch, write it on the post-it note, say it to yourself before you go into that meeting, consistently pour into your craft. There's no end of the road where it's like, I never have to do that anymore. Professional musicians practice all the time. It's the same thing. Don't stop practicing. I want to give Chantel like a virtual high five right now. Like, yes, because sometimes people say they have a lack of confidence when it comes to public speaking or speaking in front of a group. And I'll ask them, well, when is the last time you practice? Or tell me about what happened last time. And sometimes they're like, well, this was like 10 years ago. I had to speak in front of a group. And I'm like, you haven't tried anything since? (laughs) You haven't practiced? Mm -hmm. And I'm always taking cues from the greats, right? You think about... Kobe Bryant, even in sports, you think about people in local, in government, the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, they have to practice too. They have to practice selling the idea, selling the initiative, selling themselves. So I'm so happy to hear, especially knowing that the level that you're at in your career and also the types of partnerships that you have under your organization right now, the type of work that you're doing that you are also saying, look, you still have to practice for that moment. So thank you for that. Of course. Thank you. I would like for you to share where people can continue to connect and follow your work and also find more information out about the conference. Yes. So first, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Chantel George, C-H-A-N-T-E-L-G-E-O-R-G-E. Secondly, they can find the organization sistasinsales.com with sistas with an A-S versus an E-R. And hopefully learn more information about the summit, which is September 21st to September 23rd in Queens, New York at a venue called Knockdown Center. Perfect. Now, is it online? Can they attend virtually and in person or is it just in person? We'll have on demand for the the sessions, but they want the full experience. They should join us in person. Yes. Well, you heard it first here, okay, on how you can continue to follow and or how you can follow the organization, support and also register to attend the conference. I want to thank you all for listening. Y'all know what to do. If this episode touched your heart in any way, share it with your people so they can share it with their people. Talk to you all soon.